is good to be here. It's been a while, at least a year or so since I've been here, and the church is, you're as good looking as ever, so that's good. That works out fine. It is great to see you here, Mark. Feeling okay? Yeah. How about your dad? I know that there's something going on there. But he's doing well, too. work for nowadays I guess huh wasn't like that years ago yeah. <laughs> so that was good for his heart Praise God for that. You bet, you bet. Let me open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for this opportunity, Lord. I pray that uh, the little talk that I have this morning will uh, encourage, but also um, just in help each of us to just be drawn closer to you, Lord, to do more, to want to understand more, to be with you more. And so I just ask all these things always in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a new year, isn't it? We've got new opportunities, new beginnings, new possibilities, new hopes, probably new dreams. But hopefully we don't have just a new year's resolutions. What we need is commitment. God has really put that on my heart that I have to be more committed. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57, he speaks of the victory we have in this great relationship with Jesus Christ, and he thanks God for it. He then turns to the strength we need in the work for the Lord and committed to consistency. Therefore, therefore, no, you're doing great. Thank you so much. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. These are strong words. I'm a word person. I like to jump in and see what these words really mean so they just make an impact on my life and an impact on my heart. So steadfast, unbelievably strong, strong words. They're, strong, they're words of edification, they're words of encouragement, and possibly even a little conviction. And we all need a little conviction because it gets us to move. That steadfast means I'm firmly fixed. I'm firmly fixed in my faith and I'm immovable. I won't move. I will not go this way or that. I will move straight where Christ wants me to go. And always means always aboundeth, abounding in the work of the Lord. Saint Francis of Assisi says this about spiritual work. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. And that's true about God's work. And when I'm talking about God's work, I don't just mean church activity. Many a times we think of a pastoral role or an elder's role or the worship leader 
or the Sunday school teacher. That's not what I'm talking about. A biblical marriage is God's work. That's God's work. And we need to understand that and be truly involved with God for the work. Attitudes on the job is God's work. Family relations, which sometimes can be very difficult, that's God's work for us to get stronger and better and more equipped to be able to share with those who are lost in our family. And how about church relationships? Very important. That's God's work. We need to stay united as God's people. So I guess the question is, wherever we are personally invested in God's work, we must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Now, the Corinthian church, it had some problems. It had sexual immorality, drunkenness, abuse of the Lord's Supper, gluttony. It had its problems. Hopefully, your church or churches I know don't have those in-depth kind of problems. But although these problems existed, Paul, and Paul does address them, he also admonishes that church to abound in the work of the Lord. Let me say that again. Even though they had these difficulties, Paul is encouraging them, admonishing them to abound in the work of the Lord. He helps them by starting the verse off with therefore, and hopefully everybody understands what therefore is therefore. It brings you back to what was said. It, he's bringing them back to chapter 15. And this is what some of the things said. In verse 3, Jesus died for our sins. Is that important? Yes, it's very important for us to understand that we have the relationship we have now because he died. He died and was buried like a real human being. Important. Most important, he was raised on the third day, and he is alive today. He's seated in heaven, and he is alive today. Those who trust in him, trust in him, Jesus, he made alive to live forever, freed from the bondage of sinful passions and the second death. So here's what I'm asking. Please know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are in any way unsure that you have the Holy Spirit residing in you and that you have this great relationship with God, please seek out one of your elders. It's important. We must always bring to remembrance what we are in Christ, what we ha he has done for us, and how we must always strive, press forward to be all that Christ would have us be. Why? So we can live a life of righteousness instead of following our sinful passions. It's easy for us to fall into our sinful passions. But sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. But Christ came that we might have life and have it to the full. I've thought about that a lot. A lot. Life to the full. Life to the full. That's not cars or houses or money. That's peace and commitment and fellowship 
and mercy and compassion. All those things, the more they get into our lives, make us the righteous type of people we should be. It's because he lived. The sanctification that we have, it takes some work in God's power. But now I'd like to bring us to the real purpose of my talk. How our work for the Lord can fully abound in him. We must be committed, make a commitment to it. It is the words that speak boldly of our intentions and the actions which speak really louder than words. It is making the time when there's no time. It's coming through time after time, year after year. Commitment is the stuff character is made of the power to change the face of things. And I really believe as Christians we need to be committed and consistent in that commission, that commitment. Showing steady conformity to character, to profession, to belief. I want you and me to be more consistent in our beliefs and our practices because the Lord hates hypocrisy. Matthew 15, 7 through 8 says, Hypocrites, well, Isaiah prophesied about you, saying these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is from far from me, but their heart is far from me. It's really amazing. The world says they hate hypocrites, but they produce a massive amount of them, and they applaud their actions. All Christians and make it their goal to be consistent, consistent in all. It's those little words that are powerful. All aspects of their lives. Can you say amen to that? Thanks. I have four practices that I believe will help us to be more committed to consistency in our Christian lives. Walking the walk, talking the talk. It's easy for us to come in places like this wonderful building and show off our Christianity and our relationship and our kindness and our compassion, but it's when we walk out the door. Are we truly, truly living, living out the Christianity that we talk about? Now, I know that most of you will know the following practices, but if you're like me, You'll have to admit that consistent practice of them sometimes eludes us. So, if we want to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, I love again those words, always abounding, continuing on, growing, being more of, we must become even more consistent in our Christian practices. And again, amen? A little, little bigger. Thank you so much. Okay. The first thing that we have to be is committed to consistency in our Bible study. I think she'll put up there Second Timothy. There it is. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Words. Diligent. 
not haphazard, not periodically, but a daily habit with strong, in-depth concentration, exploration, and application. This will take time, our precious time, but we must be committed to it. If we really want to abound in Christ, abound in the attitudes that we want, we must be diligent. It's easy to become lazy about Bible study. That's the truth of it. It happens to all of us. It's easy to do that. The world just crushes in on us, and there it is. My goodness, I haven't read my Bible for two days, for three days. But that is the word of life. This is the word of life. This is the true meat and food we need. We don't want to be ashamed. We want to rightly divide the word. We are trying to understand with the author or what the author had to say and not allow our own opinions and views cloud the meaning of what he's written. Too often we throw 2024 in there. That may not be even close to what he's meaning about what's being said to you. When we are diligent, we cut straight. We rightly divide the word of truth. We can understand what he has communicated in his word and be well-equipped, well-equipped for what he would have us to do and how he would have us to think. Dig in. Find out. It's too easy to rest on our grace. And then we don't read and grow and understand. As much as I enjoy, and I'm sure Mark enjoys, the whole process of putting together a sermon or teaching and stuff like that, you have to do it too. You're as filled as I am with the Holy Spirit. You need to be committed, consistent, Bible study. Another scripture for us to look at. We're diligent, and now we are to Psalm 1-2. But he delights in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. Those are powerful, powerful, convicting words. First of all, delight. Mm, we can light in, delight in the football game that's coming up, huh? Can we delight in entertainment? Can we delight in, even delight in the achievements that we have achieved? Yes, we can delight in all that. But do we delight in the Word of God? Delight in everything that's taught to us there that drives us again to be diligent. Diligent, or rather delight, is an experience which brings great pleasure, and joy, and that's what it needs to do. I need to look at this wonderful book that it is going to be my delight to understand what it's saying to me, and then I need to meditate on it. I know a lot of people go through the Bible in one year. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a nice thing to do. I think it does have benefit. I think it can give you great comfort in God's Word. But it's when you dig in that God, I believe God really speaks to you. To engage in folk, 
focused thought on spiritual passages, on particular doctrines and the mysteries of the Christian faith. We seem to be able to focus on a movie for two hours. Or again, a football game. We can sit there just enthralled by it all. But do we meditate on the Word of God? And this is the convicting part. How often? What does it say? Day and night. You have to be absorbing a lot of Scripture for it to pop in your brain like that all the time. And that's what he's doing. The world can occupy so much of our time. It can just unbelievably be the main focus, this life. Yet, our thoughts are to be above. And one more, 1 Peter 2.2. 2, As newborn babes, here it is again, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby as babe need milk to grow. The Christian needs, uh, small word, needs God's word. Desire. So we have gone through the idea of we have diligent, delight, and desire. Again, three strong words. To long for the person who diligently delights, desire, and longs for God's word so much that he meditates on it day and night, is delivered from the ways of the wicked and sin, uh, the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer, and is made fruitful and durable and prosperous. He is made durable, fruitful, prosperous. And if we want to abound in the work of God, we must be diligent, delighting, desiring his word. So that's the first one, Bible study. Second one is we need to be absolutely committed to consistent or being consistent in thought. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are, are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's, there is anything praiseworthy, guess what? Meditate on these things. Now, how often do we do that? You're, we're usually meditating on the bills, meditating on the car, Meditating on family, meditating on other problems that could enter in our lives, but it's very hard sometimes for us to be very consistent in our thoughts. But as we do, as we have noble things, true things, which is the word, we have noble. Who's noble? Jesus is noble. His character, just, it's righteousness. Pure, lovely, good report, praises. One of the things I do a, a little Bible um, class, a Sunday school class, and the first thing I ask after we pray is, is there praises? I want to hear about what God's doing in your life. I want to hear that. I want to hear you uplift it and go, he did that. Look, Mark sits here 
because we live in a day and age that they can do these types of things. Man, a hundred years ago, big trouble. Big, big trouble. Praiseworthy. My relationship with the Word should be praiseworthy. My relationship with Jesus, with God, should be praiseworthy. This can be very hard in this world. Just turn on the news and where do your thoughts go? There is no help for this. We're in a big mess. Yeah, and we can think about it, argue about it, be irritated about it, do all those things. And yet God says, listen, you want some peace? You want some contentment? You want some comfort? Think about things that are true and noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, praiseworthy things. Second scripture is Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformed. Transformed to change in character and condition. How, how really are we transformed in our minds or renewed in our minds or does the world crush in and we think a lot like the world? It's hard for us. We think a lot. If we want to abound in the work of God, we must be immovable, transforming our thoughts, thinking of noble, praiseworthy things. Karen and I constantly will we'll watch a little news and stuff and go, stop, we, we got to stop. Because all that negative's in there. You go out to the mall, all the negative's there. Try to think of that. Every single person, although maybe unusual at the mall, they were made in the image of God. And they need Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it's hard. It's very hard. So this is a training thing. This is a thing that I must be committed to. Thought. I must commit myself to it. Third one is consistent in conduct. And again, this is a tough one. Easy to be here at church. Easy to have things look real good here. Every one of us probably puts on a little bit better mask at church than we really are. Now, I'm not accusing you of that. I'm accusing me of it. Because many times I look better than I really am. I may have been on the way to church and had a horrible argument with Karen, who was completely wrong, and I was completely right. But at church, oh, yes, uh, things are good. God's very good this day. Does it happen to you or just me? You don't need to tell me. You can write it down in a note. No, it's all right. You don't have to do any of that. Second Peter 3.11. Therefore... What's the there for? Because there was information before that you need to gather in. Since all these things will be in dissolved, what manner of person ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? The things you see right out here, all this world, poof. All of it's gone. Here's the thing to think about. And I'm, this always gets to my mind. My father and mother lived some 70-some-odd years on the earth, and they left, and somehow it 
kept going. All those thoughts, all those dreams, all those things that they did, yet it goes on anyway. And we know by the word of God that all of it's going to be dissolved anyway. God's going to get rid of this and do everything anew. That you and I will have a life, an everlasting life, that there is no way that our minds and hearts can comprehend it all. It's so incredible. But he says holy conduct. The Greek word is goddish. It sounds like goddish which is pure, morally blameless, or set apart as in set apart for holy use. That's what you and I are. You're not the same person you were before you were saved. You're set apart now for holy use. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I need to be set apart from this world's thinking pattern. That doesn't mean that I don't absorb some of it. But really, if, if you think about it, we absorb a tremendous amount of useless information. Just junk that goes in our head that has really no value and really no help for our lives. And that's what we want. I, I don't know about you, I'd rather be a better Paul than I am today, tomorrow. And next year, closer to what Jesus talks about as a person should be. And then it says, conduct and godliness conform to the will and law of God. You want to know what the will of God is in your life? Conform yourself to the image of Jesus Christ. Careful observance of the laws of God. He wants us to be holy because he is holy. We are a reflection of him. If we want to go out and talk to people about being saved and stuff, hopefully if they know anything about you, they can say, yeah, that's a man, that's a woman who is constantly moving towards being better. You should have known him before, but he's moving. He's moving to be holy, in his conduct, godly. And the, then Hebrews 13, 8. Pray for us. We don't know who the author is. I think Paul, but others think others. Pray for us, for we, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live, uh, live honorably, confident, certain. You need to be confident that you are growing in your conduct. It's getting more on target. Good and faithful servant, well done. Isn't that what we want to hear? Well done. Honorably, decent, becoming. That's what I need to be. I need to be that kind of person. And others need to see it. It is for me, for my comfort, for my growth, for my closeness to God. But others need to see it. My wife needs to see it. If I'm claiming to read so much and try to get in the Word of God, she needs to see it. It's nice for me to talk good things or even to be up here. But if I am not being that. So we've covered the idea that we need to be 
very committed to consistency in Bible study, committed to consistency in thought, committed consistency in conduct. And the last one, committed consistency in prayer. 1 John 5. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Who's the him? God, Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, how do we know his will? We find it in here. It may not be his will that I have a Mercedes. Chances are it isn't his will. He hears us. Do you know that? Every prayer is heard. If he doesn't answer your prayer, probably it's not good for you because he's a loving God. He would never, ever deny you something that you truly need as a Christian. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that have, we have asked for. Confidence, that's what we need. We need to be confident in prayer. We need confidence that God cares deeply about his church, deeply about this country, deeply about my family that's not saved. I have to be confident that he is and wants to hear me pray about the people at the mall. <laughs> he wants me to be confident. And I can ask. I can ask anything in his will. But that's the real key. Am I asking foolish things, things that really have no eternal value? He wants me to ask things that will be of eternal value. And always his will. It's his will, not my will. His will, not my will. I have to remember that. Every time you see Jesus, I do the will of the Father. I do the will of the Father. He listened and did exactly what the Father asked him to do. Well, if Jesus did that, then there's a good chance I need to do it. And I can be confident, confident, that those petitions can be heard by a greater authority than me. One who promises to hear my word. How many prayers have you read in Scripture? Did God ever just go, unless you're wicked and don't know him? You know that? If you're an unbeliever and you know Jesus Christ, he really doesn't hear it. Obviously, he's uh, omnipotent and he's uh, sovereign of all things, so he hears it, but he doesn't hear it. He's not interested in it when you're wicked. He's interested when you have a relationship with him. God is able and willing to give us anything that we truly need in his will. Coming up to do these types of things is a wonderful experience, and I'm sure Mark would say the same thing, but it's a little nerve-wracking. You want to make sure you say the right thing. You want to know that you're doing what God wants you to do because guess what? You're his people. It's important what I say and how I say it. So let me see. Acts 2, 42. Let me see. How many people know this one? Do I have that one? I didn't put that up. Didn't I? Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> 
Okay, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. That's what the first church did. Prayers without ceasing. Continuously. They believed God would answer it. And let me see, 12 apostles, how good a work did they do? Pretty strong. If we want changes in our government, if we want changes in our own lives, if we want changes in our families' lives, get on your knees. Get on your face. Fast. God hears you, but sometimes we're not committed to this prayer. The Lord's work done the Lord's way. And again, remember, I'm not just talking about uh, church work. I'm talking about your marriages, your relationships, how you work at work. What do people see about you? Can they say, do they see you to be the man that you profess to be in Christ? So study. Be committed this year. Committed to stronger, consistent Bible study. Be committed to better thoughts. Turn that news off. There's very little we can do about all the craziness going on anyway. Turn it off. Pick up the word. Think of things that are beautiful and wonderful. Where we're going. Those types of things. Be committed to our conduct. So people see it, and they know it's true. That in all circumstances, I lean upon Jesus Christ, and I end up being the right person. And then, obviously, commit to be consistent in prayer. I love Ephesians. Did I give you this one? I didn't give. No, I didn't give you that one either. I'm sure you didn't misplace it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Ephesians three twenty. The first part. Now to him, who is the him? God, Jesus, who is able to do pretty good work in us. Some of the things. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. We need to be stronger prayers. And I'm not talking about, I, I understand when people get hurt physically and other things happen in our relationships and stuff. But we need to want, do you want Jesus to return? Then pray about that. We need that. So, exceedingly extreme degree, large amounts, abundant. That's what God can do. So in conclusion, this is it. Consistency is so important. You don't have to say it to me, but just say it in your mind. Consistency is so important. Christian growth is a part-time occupation. No, it's a full-time occupation, 24-7, 365 days a year. 
It's a wonderful song that says, I set aside the things of old and press towards the mark of the things that are of Christ. Question, have you been consistent in your personal in-depth study of the word? Are your thoughts brought in captivity to Christ? Are you truly Christ-like in your conduct at work, at home? Now, believe me, I'm not saying perfection, but could we all do a little better? You could do this. It's okay. You could do that. Yeah, I could say we could do a little better. Do you pray believing, or do you often think, well, I can just handle that, not a big deal? God's got me now down praying for little things like, should I really get my tires, new tires, or not? And I think he's pleased with that. He's pleased with the idea that I come to him on every single thing. And remember, God hates hypocrisy. If we're playing a game and he sees it, he doesn't like that at all. So let's be committed to consistency so that we can truly be steadfast, immovable, abounding in God's work in this world. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just the idea of us coming closer to you, being more committed, being more consistent. We need to be so, Lord. You are a great, loving God, and you want to draw us to you. Lord, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.